choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whomsoever you may choose to identify as, welcome to the Daustronaut podcast. Thank you for joining me, your host, Ben Baldieri, on this journey to the edge of the blockchain universe where we will be exploring the uncharted expanses of the DAO space. DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations are made possible through blockchain technology and will form the backbone of Web 3.0. DAOs represent the next frontier of human creativity, collaboration and potential and give us the opportunity to fundamentally reimagine how we organize, what we organize around and why we choose to do it. On this voyage, I will be interviewing the most exciting and innovative projects in the DAO space picking apart what exactly it is that they are up to, analyzing how they are going about it, and understanding why they too have embarked on this quest into the expanse. In doing this, and in you, my fellow Daosonauts, choosing to join me on this odyssey, we will learn just how revolutionary DAOs can and will be. These organizations and this way of organizing are going to change absolutely everything. And in choosing to join me on this adventure, you have secured your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. To say that I am excited about the promise that this future holds would be an absolute understatement. So let's all suit up, lay back and strap in for launch. One thing that I must insist that everybody remembers for the duration of this voyage is that nothing that is said on this podcast is financial advice. With that in mind, please sit back and enjoy the ride. And we are live. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I just realized that at the moment I'm not talking to anybody because the counter is currently at zero, but I'm sure that's fine. We'll fix that as we go forward. Um, I'm here with, obviously, Tyler Penning. Um, some of you on LinkedIn will know Tyler. I mean, if you don't know Tyler and you're on LinkedIn, then you've obviously not been paying attention enough. Um, Tyler, how did you end up in this space? Web3, DAOs, NFTs, how did you end up here? You know, that's a great question. Sometimes I wake up every day and go like, how did this happen, right? Um, it's been a journey, man. It really has. Like, first and foremost, like, thank you uh, for having me on. You know, it's about time we did something like this. Um, honestly, you know, what what landed me here in, in Web3 and, and on LinkedIn is just at, at its foundational core is being a rebel, man. I uh, <clears throat> was born and raised in Vegas. Um, always, you know, kind of been cut from a different cloth than most folk. And, uh, you know, I've had a, a 
you know, Fortune 500 corporate background. Um, we worked for three different Fortune 500s, owned my own business, seen a lot of, uh, seen and felt, you know, a lot of frustrations and pain points within traditional organizations, especially the, the older archaic ones that are less fluid and um, probably dying here in the next decade, right? Um, and I was actually kicked out of corporate America, you know, believe it or not, being a rebel. Um, they said, thanks for your services, hit the road. Um, you're not a culture fit anymore. And, and then threw me to the wolves. And, you know, over the last two years, I've been, you know, heavily watching the space turn on, come to life. Um, you know, from an academic standpoint, over the last five, six months now, um, somehow managed to become somewhat of a Dow celebrity. Um, I think, you know, in conjunction with a little bit like yourself, you know, this this insane meteoric rise of, of the Dow, right? And uh, positioning ourselves in front of it correctly, you know, um, it'd be funny if you tell a story about how we met a little bit, right? Just within the reorg group and just poof, the next thing you know, we're best friends and here we are, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it was uh, definitely been interesting, you know, throughout this entirety of it. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the first kind of innocuous meeting was what, I don't know, six months ago or so now um, Hopefully, yeah. with the with the creation of the real group, which at the time I think had like maybe, I don't know, 10, 10. people in it or something like that. Must be 10. <laughs> which, yeah, this sounds about right. Um, and I think I remember shooting you a message saying, is a lot, I've got some content that I want to share. I see that you're the group owner. Is that all right? If, is it all right if I do that? And then like jumped on a call, um, realized that we are obviously very well in alignment in terms of what we think DAOs could, should, would be going forward and realized that there is a massive, massive gap at the moment in the education subspace within the DAO space, as it were. No one knows what they are. No one knows what they could, should, would be. Everyone thinks that they should be tied to a treasury and like Olympus is the DAO framework from which everything else spawns. But that is quite clearly not the case. I mean, what, what are your <laughs> what do you thoughts? mean? It's not working? Is this, no, it's not. What are your thoughts <laughs> then like, on what is, what is a DAO? Whew, you know, that's a great question. So, you know, I think, you know, it's still part of this, you know, journey of how we get here, right? To me, you know, a DAO is literally, and hence the name of the group, right? A way to reorganize human capital, right? And it doesn't have to be centered around a treasury. Um, it, to me, it's centered around governance models and, and participation models, right? Like how, how do you best get people to come together around a particular use case, cause, um, whatever you want to call it, and then contribute in some meaningful capacity to accomplish a goal, whether it be investing, right? Like Olympus, whether it be a social, you know, social good, um, like GiveTree, you know, actually just was on a call with with Sam today. Uh, fantastic, man. W what's going on over there? Just mind boggling, you know, so to be able to come this far and be able to look and explore, you know, uh, participate to earn ability to govern something based on, you know, your ability to show up and prove yourself, right? Like, think about a traditional organizational model, um, you know, tenured employees that maybe don't do anything or no longer hold their merit may have a voice that outweighs somebody that shows up every day and participates in a meaningful fashion. You know, those kind of models, those archaic ways of doing things, um, they need to change. And, and, and to me, DAOs are the ability to experiment and, you know, tinker around in the sandbox per se, and how to, you know, move uh, organizations digital, globally, borderlessly, 
and allow for people to organize in a capacity that best suits their needs. You know, COVID pushed everybody uh, into their boxes at home. And, and, and we've got a lot of people that are reconsidering, you know, what they want to do with the rest of their lives. And the way corporations behave during this entire pandemic globally really shows, you know, that it, it's not about the, the human capital. It's about capital, right? Which is fine. You know, if you want to make money and you want to be profitable, great. Automate, you know, innovate, uh, do something different. But destruction of your own internal workforce and, and your customer bases, you know, all this hot air talk about people over profits and that kind of stuff. Like, I don't see it. To me, it's all hot air. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, when you look at what's happened, I mean, the, the point that you raised with COVID, we've had a, a massive shift in terms of the way that the workforce operates and the way that the workforce interacts with each other. And like, there's that that kind of nebulous term of like the workforce, because ultimately, like the workforce are people. Um, yeah. and this, this trend, <laughs> is, yeah, it's like, how can we dehumanize someone by terming them as something which is capital or whatever? But like right. this this shift to, to remote um, has been kind of a it, it's been two major effects one has been that um the, the workforce as it were has been put into a position whereby they are significantly more empowered in terms of choosing what it is that they're that they are doing and how it is that they are doing it because prior to the pandemic when you were having to do your like your nine to five your commuting um your options for remote work were pretty limited um unless you were in a specific subset of industry so unless you were in tech and you were a developer yeah. or someone working for a tech firm then that's basically all you could do from a remote work standpoint other industries were not open to remote work but now because of the pandemic there's been this massive shift in terms of how we approach work how is how do we see the future of work going forward and i think like as you say like People over profits is a fantastic catchphrase. It's an amazing way to virtue signal and try and connect with <laughs> try and connect with your community, as it were, to make them feel as though you're actually doing something whilst actually not doing anything at all. And Correct. I think DAOs are ultimately going to be a, a way for people to really drive actual social change as opposed to sound bites about social change. Correct. Um, you know, and you got to think yeah. about it too, man. Like where we're at with the tech. The people that are finding the concepts, the theories, the on-chain stuff now, right? It's so early on, but they're the innovators, right? And like, you know, yeah. think about this reorg group. Think, look at the human capital that's within the walls of this thing, man. Like, you know, you, you have heads of industry, titans entering in at the same level as, you know, grocery store clerks or, you know, shelf stalkers, whatever it may be, like not to knock a profession, but literally it's just resetting the bar. You know, these are people that um, they're here early and want to participate in the remodeling of it because, you know, even as the the director or managing director or whatever you want to call it, they had to deploy these things. Um, and I'm, you know, not I'm in the camp to believe that not everybody uh, wants to do the things that a corporation makes them do. Right. So if you're here and, and you're learning, clearly it, it bothered you how that campaign went right because you're also trying to digest and integrate models that allow for flatter organizational structures more incentivized participation so i mean that's what it really comes down to me you know it's not treasury management like which you know it's great to have a trustless automated treasury process for your business right that should do away with embezzling it should do away with a lot of mismanagement of capital um should uh, efficiently streamline businesses and remove costs 
you know, things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, like really it comes down to, you know, human capital and how do we best uh, work together, co-create, collaborate, you know, and, and drive innovation, right? Because like in Web3, everything's open source, man. Nobody gets to sit on their laurels and, and hold patents that, that dictate the trajectory of industries for 20, 30, 50 years. Um, you have to, in order to stay relevant, you have to serve your community. You have to serve the people that are working next to you. You have to recognize talent that, that does good work, you know, and if people are struggling, individualize how you best, you know, upskill them. Um, a one size fits all plan. I mean, <laughs> I know you're not in America, but I'm going to tell you common core and all that kind of stuff. And it ain't doing no good in, in America. No. Square yeah, peg, hole, baby. yeah I, mean, I, I taught common core um, for a good few years when I was living in China, funnily enough. And there's, it's a, it's a very prescriptive framework that works incredibly well. If you fit somewhere within that framework, if Correct. what you were doing and how you were operating doesn't necessarily fit within these incredibly prescriptive guidelines or if you're looking at things in a in a slightly different way um then you're not necessarily going to fit and then it's not that you're necessary it's, it's not that you don't fit the system it's that the system doesn't necessarily fit you but the Correct. issue is the system doesn't necessarily make the provisions for people who do not fit into the round hole if they are a square peg as it were well, and sometimes, you know, too, it's, it comes down to people's abilities to engage. Yeah. Like what what type of individual are you? Right. So having, you know, multifaceted models of how to learn, um, it, it's not as easily doable in a public setting when you've got 30, 50 mouth breathers sitting in a room uh, throwing paper airplanes at each other and, you know, fighting. And it really it's a. It's a homogenization portal, right? To smush everyone in the same place and think the same way. Uh, if you if you don't abide by it, you're ostracized or you're cast out, cast away in in a couple particular different categories, right? But it, you know, destroys self esteem, makes people feel you know like they don't belong, even though they do, and in a high capacity, right? And that's been the fun part, man. Diving through you know my Web three journey is talking to so many unique. Uh, individuals with so much genius and so much skill, um, and, you know, and just hearing everybody's stories and how there's just so much overarching overlap of, you know, effort and success and then demise and rebirth and then, you know, progression forward to actually like literally lay their, their careers, their, their lives on the line, marriages, whatever it might be to apply the fundamentals of the technologies, technologies, not get rich quick instruments or whatever you want to call it base layer technologies to drive impactful, meaningful change out into the world, man. And definitely has kept me going, you know, cause I, I had no idea what this community was going to turn into. And every day it shocks me with who, who joins, how people interact with each other, you know, the things that come from it, that the messages I get about, you know, the impact it's made on somebody else. I mean, it, it saved my own life, man. Like I was in a destitute state trying to, you know, make a decision of, do I still want to be on this planet anymore? Cause it's, it's quite terrifying. You know, I don't have kids for a reason. Um, it, it's scary. Right. So to be able to um, put it all on the line and then see others that are doing it as well, like LinkedIn and, and this group really, I mean, I probably wouldn't be here without it right now. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I know that's a lot, that's a resonating, you know, uh, message for a lot of folks that I've talked to uh, being able to find your tribe. Right. And, and, have community like a lot of people talk about it but at the end of the day like what is the value of the community that you've created like what are its morals what are its standards what is it 
you know, what is it, uh, what is it doing to help each other? Right. I mean, Wagamis and, and let's goes and moons are great and all, but uh, I mean, I'd rather much rather see people learning, interacting, having differentiating opinions. Um, I, I'm not for hive mind mentality. I want to be challenged. I want people to have difficult conversations and disagree on things so that we can then figure out where that happened and then move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's uh, the perfect opportunity to talk a little bit about the community. I mean, we, we've kind of mentioned it a couple of times, but what, what is it? What is this community? What, I, I forget the exact words I've used for it before, but like a cross-disciplinary, uh, multi-vertical community of value, something in that capacity, right? Like it started off simply as a, a mechanism for me to be able to showcase, you know, what I knew in the space, right? Because I originally came to LinkedIn post the Anthony Pompliano Crypto Masterclass wanting to work in the space, right? And, and prior to, I mean, I had a LinkedIn, I had, you know, all my entire professional resume on there. I was I was frustrated because I felt that crypto companies that were on here hiring six months ago, they needed somebody with my skill set. But because I had no background in tech and I had no industry connections, I mean, I was writing handwritten messages to people, recruiters, trying to you know warm up my my resume. Nothing. I didn't even even get a response. You know, which it's sad. But as I've progressed through the space, you know, I've learned that there's a lot of people in this industry that don't belong in certain roles that they're doing or, or need people from the other side of the fence that are migrating. Right. So that's kind of was where it was dual fold with how I created the community was, you know, NFTs were just catching fire. And I finally felt like, Hey, I'm, I'm out in front of something here. And LinkedIn is a great place to, to start this conversation around DAOs because at the end of the day, this is a recruitment platform for a lot of people. It's a place to get work. So if you can learn about the future of how work is going to happen, um, what better place to start it? And I and I did a couple searches, and at the time there was not a single group on this on this entire platform with anything oriented towards DAOs. So literally, it started with that. I, I named it, and then started seeking out people from projects. You know, literally everything's just been organic growth. Um, thanks to in coupling with you know a lot of great key contributors up front, yourself, uh, Mickey Ellison from Artsec DAO. You know, a couple of my friends were already on here. A um, couple of the guys from Aragon jumped in early, just adding layers and layers and layers of credibility so that when I would send outbound, you know, hellos and connection requests and, and, you know, prompts to join the community, it just got easier and easier and easier. And as that snowball effect occurred with industry connections, I mean, I'm almost at this point where it's like nine out of 10 times I shoot somebody a connection request, it converts. Um, if I shoot an invite to join the community, they'll, they'll join. So it's been really fun, you know. Um, letting people that are learning bring in people that have built, you know, um, and then creating, you know, just this big sandbox. Like anybody could come into this community with an idea at this point, post something and get just massive amounts of support from every different capacity, right? Mark, PCs, angels, you name it, devs, you know, dev talent is some of the hardest thing on earth to get your whole, your hands on right now. Um, and with Borderless Blockchain Alliance, you know, uh, Ox Oz, some of the things that I'm associated with right now, I mean, developers are a dime a dozen, especially ones that know how to do things at a high capacity, like an engineer capacity, and build unique custom things. So, you know, just, I, I'm just so proud of what what's become of this, because, you know, I think today was the first day ever I had somebody post something about not a grife, but like a, Hey, what's up with this dude? What's the standard within the community on this? And we're a thousand people are pretty close, like nine fifty, right. Um, 
and, and it's because, you know, we've just let the community grow in this organic capacity. And, you know, it, it's never been needed before because everybody that's here is high quality, you know, 80%, 70% have been almost single-handedly, you know, outbound shot by me. Uh, LinkedIn's, uh, the way that they use their uh, invite mechanisms usually gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, I think I remember when we were under 100 and I had like 800 outbound requests just sitting there, never approved. And I'm like, man, what, is this is this such a crazy concept? Like, these are some of these people are industry folks, and I'm just like, you, you don't want to hang out? Like, it's literally the only group on LinkedIn about DAOs, but sure, okay. Um, but that's when I started realizing, like, there's got to be something missing here, and I kind of dug a little bit. And you know, there's a setting component where, and, and it might be different now, right? But I've been so you know busy lately that um, I still take the same approach because it, it's a great bonding mechanism, man. Seriously, like. Um, the ability to shoot a personalized connection request to somebody, recognize, you know, what they do um, and then offer them a place to come, you know, explore their either learn or, or showcase their talents or whatever it may be. Um, like I said, nine times out of 10, it works great. <laughs> so it's been really fun, man. And, and then again, to have a platform for people, you know, to be able to come in and, and talk about what they've done. You know, we try to do our best to not like be like an influencer group or, or a lobbying committee of any sorts, right? Like it's pretty open. Um, you know, I do like to introduce people from, from the outside world or, or web three that have done high quality things. Um, mainly so for the new folks that are in the community to understand like quality, what's a good quality project, what's, you know, a, a position within the, you know, the web three framework of holding jobs, like, you know, something to shoot for whatever it may be, but, yeah, man, it's just been fun watching this thing grow. And I was actually applauded the other day by somebody for for not rushing to make this a DAO, right? I feel like, you know, I was going to ask you this question earlier, but like, why do you think DAOs haven't like stuck or there's so many are failing, right? And and to me, it's people are rushing in to want to just turn something into a DAO on chain with some of these, you know, early deployment tools and then expect it to just become something, right? Rather than organically letting it, you know, grow. Yeah. For sure, and I think that you've touched on Nero everything there perfectly. I think there is a a massive, massive need at the moment for a collaborative space in which people are able to share their perspectives and opinions on a move. What is ultimately a movement that is going to become increasingly more important as the tooling kit, like the tools that are available, um, the frameworks by which things are set up, as all of these things develop over the course of the next three to five years or so, having this collaborative space whereby there are no wrong answers because ultimately like we're on the, the cutting edge at the moment. We are at the bleeding edge of what is possible in the blockchain space. And because of that, there is no right way of doing things. There are many ways to do things wrong, um, as we're seeing with as we're seeing with like a lot of these DAOs that kind of spin up a DAO first and then try and build a community around it first without having that organic community feel with the DAO aspect being a value add to that community. There's lots of ways that you can mess things up for sure. But there isn't there isn't a best practice as yet. There isn't a, a best way to do things. There isn't a universal toolkit that will provide you with all of the different tool sets that you need to make something like this work so treasury management um voting gated community software um multi-sig wallets verification mechanisms 
all of this stuff like a lot of this doesn't necessarily exist at the moment which on the one hand is terrifying because it means that it's very easy for you to mess up on the other hand it means that if you have some ideas as to how these things could should would be then you can collaborate you can give your opinions and you can ultimately shape the direction that went that things are going 100 man and and again that's why you know like i spent a good year on twitter um it's where i learned so much stuff it was a great repository of information for me to be able to categorize you know quality uh people that were in the space uh stat, you know getting behind projects uh, but that's all it ended up being for me was just an information repository because at the end of the day you know aside from the people actually posting their stuff when it came down to community engagement you know granted this is pre-twitter spaces which got to give them credit you know it really has done a fantastic job in the community now being able to see this stuff but i was so disoriented with Twitter at that point, you know, I spent a lot of hours uh, engaging and, and few people actually wanting to understand the, the inside components of and philosophical aspects of a token of a, of a blockchain of a governance model, you know, and people, so many people are just in the space for the wrong reasons. They're just here to, you know, speculate, get rich, don't even realize what they're buying, the utility that it possesses. Um, you know, like I use Shiba Inu a lot. I talk about this example, but so many people have bought this dog token and they just hold it on Coinbase. You know, it's literally just giving an institution their money again, when literally it's got a really well-designed model. If you take it off, control your own financial futures, right? Again, this is that educational, philosophical understanding of what you're purchasing. It's not, it's not a stock. You're not buying stocks here. You're buying liquid assets that have multiple types of utility and that can reward you uh, in many different ways, right? In an intrinsic and an extrinsic kind of manners. Um, but that's where it's you know up to the designers of the ecosystem and the community that they're looking to uh, reward or incentivize, right? Like, what are you trying to accomplish, right? So it's it's been fun to intake all those things, but you know, just my my flavor of academia and, and approach to these things, it got so frustrating and. When I came to LinkedIn post pomp class um, and had this, you know, a little bit of a badge of credibility, right? Because, you know, there was really nothing going on in the space with any kind of merit as far as an educational component, right? And, you know, pomp's been talking on Bitcoin for a long, long time and done a fantastic job over the years of orange pilling people and onboarding people into crypto. And, you know, post the class, it was a great it was kind of my first idea of like seeing this community engagement perspective where it's like everybody that went through this cohort based learning scenario. Um, it was a, it's a foundational, you know, networking mechanism and looked around on LinkedIn and went, man, there's nobody but Dan held over here doing anything um, <laughs> quality or something like that in a, you know, continuous fashion, right. Just occasionally posting about Bitcoin. Um, and I just went, man, there's a gigantic opportunity here, but at the same time, we're not hiding behind pictures, right? We're, we're publicly facing it for the most part, right? Um, LinkedIn's doing everything in their power to shadow ban PFPs and, and whatnot. We won't go off on yep. that topic because that's a whole other pissed off can of worms. You know, I don't understand <laughs> why they do what they do. It doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, it's a powerful community that they're, they're disenfranchising and they're not even doing it in the, in the regards for public safety. I mean, man, I've, I've been conned by more people profiles than PFP profiles. That's for damn sure. Um, and if they were doing something in the identity verification space, right, to allow me to feel safe, then maybe I'd respect it. But no, they're not. And they're not even telling people they're doing this. They're going to be told by their community members, you know, that they're, they've got some gray picture, you know, from a professional standpoint, like that's damaging. Right. And, and even that altercation I, I ran into with this fake 
business development rep from an exchange, you know, this is the one place I felt safe that like a business is monitoring who their employees are on their employee page. And it actually almost, you know, it tainted uh, a high profile professional relationship for me. And it was a human, not a PFP, <laughs> you know, so it, it's crazy. But, you know, I really wanted to be able to have a place where people could co-create, co-collaborate with tenured professionals to create real organizations. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's the hard part when you trustless is great but when you don't know who you're dealing with you know we won't talk exactly what project this is but somebody made somebody a treasury manager that probably shouldn't have been a treasury manager and and then the backlash from that you know it's it's just insane so having it be in a capacity where you know if you're trying to get into business quote unquote with one another knowing who you're working with usually works out better than not knowing who you're working with just crazy thought right you know I don't know, maybe I'm insane. <laughs> no, and I think like, you're exactly right because there is a, a massive perception at the moment um, on LinkedIn especially that crypto and blockchain by extension is still a little bit scammy. And I think just circling back to what you said about um, Twitter, Twitter is an amazing resource. There is um, just... It, a wealth of information available from some incredibly talented people um, who are doing all kinds of interesting stuff in the space. But the very the, the name of the sub community kind of gives you an indication as to, to what the problem is. And it's like Twitter for blockchain is crypto Twitter, right? And crypto is just one very specific sub use case of what blockchain is capable of. Now, Correct. since over the course of the past year or so, we've seen the explosion in NFTs. Um, DeFi, GameFi is all going nuts. Um, and that, that kind of way. <laughs> I say, like, all of that is starting to change. That perception is starting to change. But I still get messages on, on LinkedIn from people who are telling me to give them $500 and they'll give me $5,000 back three days later. <laughs> and they put like professional crypto trader or something like that in their uh -huh. bio, um, <laughs> representing or supposedly representing certain relatively high level, like tier one exchanges um, mm. with absolutely no verification from these exchanges as to whether or not they are real individuals who are actually doing what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And right. I think we as like a community so real what we're doing with the dow channel have a, a have a duty to really change that perception because all of it starts with education <clears throat> all right. of it starts with education and you can only change those perceptions if the content that you are putting out is legitimate verifiable truthful and ultimately collaborative as well because nobody wants to be spoken down to nobody wants to feel as though they are not part of a community nobody wants to be made right. to feel as though they are excluded which i mean blockchain as a whole is kind of has that perception because it is we are very early on in the adoption cycle right at the moment the the kind of people who are comfortable interacting with these technologies are the kind of people who are happy to kind of bang their head against a wall if something isn't working properly like the user experience at the moment for the majority of these blockchain protocols is just awful but these people like early adopters don't really mind about that because they understand that the technology behind it kind of makes the user experience worthwhile as it were or, or they, that's not going to last too right they understand what the early investor model looks like from a yep. 50 100x perspective and they don't give two shits what the ui ux feels yeah. like 
I don't give two shits what it feels like, um, you know, to uh, use something because they showed up first and funded it. And, and now they're going to take their gains, dump it on somebody's head that doesn't know what they're buying. And it's just this perpetual cycle of, you know, are, are we here to get rich or are we here to drive change? Are we here to understand what we're buying um, or, or are we here to uh, mismanage our futures? Because just as many people as I've seen make loads of money have lost and had their lives completely destroyed because they don't understand what they're buying. They don't take the time to read a white paper. Like, God bless my dad, <laughs> but he'll write me all the time and be like, he heard about something and then it's like, well, it's just not good. The price is dumping. I'm like, well, if you look at the white paper, the token distribution model showcases that post year one, they're entering a billion more tokens into the supply. So really it's the same amount of money that's still in the market cap. And now we've got a billion more tokens for sale that no one's bought yet. And XYZ price dump. Right. You know, and and, or, you know, something maybe hadn't had staking rewards yet. So you're holding a finite object that's not creating more. And then when staking goes live, now there's this insane APR and drive to, you know, distribute more tokens via reward to lock capital within the protocol, the blockchain, whatever it may be. And then, you know, people don't understand why the price is falling apart. Well, it's not. It's it's rewarding early adopters for participating within an ecosystem. Right. So that's where at the end of the day, like. I think the biggest takeaway I would like to give for anybody, whether it's Dow, whatever, it's understand what you're doing. Take the time to, you know, really think, um, do, are you getting into crypto because you don't like banks, but then you're going to sit and leave your money on a centralized exchange. You're literally creating a a bank 2.0, right? Coinbase is doing great things. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I personally would rather have self-sovereign lifestyle where I can control my own finances and, don't have to worry about if there's a financial collapse, maybe the, the banks aren't going to get bailed out anymore and my money might leave with them, you know, um, or they're making money off my money and not giving me interest. Man, I found some sound insured banking protocols that pay 20% interest, right? What banker, I get fees charged annually. I don't make no damn money. I'm so we're deflation or inflation, hit me with fees. I'm literally losing money by banking with you. So why am I doing it? Right. Um, because it's comfortable, because it's what everybody else is doing. You know, I don't know. That's just my, my rebel nature, I guess. Um, literally graduated from UNLV, so I am a running rebel. But uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's made it's made for some fun times in the space, for sure, right? But I wanted to ask you, right, on the educational component. I mean, I yeah, sure. love what you guys are doing with GBI, man. I'd love for you to be able to tell everybody a little bit on, on this format, um, how that started, how'd you get involved with these guys? Like, how, how'd this all come together? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if you if you look at the blockchain space at the moment, and I mean blockchain as a whole, um, Tyler, you'll be able to attest to this. In order for you to be able to interact with the technology in a meaningful way, to be able to understand what it is that you're buying, as you said before, right, there is a very steep learning curve in terms of what you need to know before you can even start understanding what it is that white papers are talking about, what it is that like projects are talking about, what a roadmap looks like, what the deliverables are being, deliverables are going to be, like how does that roadmap work? What's the development timeline look like? Like before you can even begin to touch that sort of stuff, you need to have a really solid base level of education. And information is out there. 
that is ready for you to digest to be able to get to that base level of education, but it's incredibly disjointed. Twitter, as you said, like an absolutely amazing resource. Um, you can learn about near enough any aspect of the space by going down a Twitter rabbit hole. But the problem is you've got to find the right rabbit hole to go down in the first place. And finding that is a really, really difficult thing to do. And I mean, I'm currently enrolled in a, in a traditional master's program with Ziggurat, um, Global Masters in Blockchain Technology. It's been an amazing program so far. I did this, I chose to enroll in this program because I was tired of being rugged, basically. I've been burnt <laughs> so many times up until that point. And I could see that people still kept coming back to the space. Like people were still interacting with this tech. People were still building, despite the fact that there was like scams happening left, right and center. And I seem to have found like 90% of them up until that point. <laughs> so it's all right. I mean, I'm under the pretext that if you don't get rugged at least once, you ain't doing crypto right. right? You have exactly. to have an appreciation because, you know, a, a great buzzword everybody likes to talk about is decentralization. But, you know, what comes with decentralization, community governance, self-sovereignty. So if you get fucked, it's on you, right? Like, you don't get yeah. to call the SEC and be like, excuse me, we've decentralized, but who's going to come save me from this evil Internet man that made a, a, a honeypot and stole my money? No, nope, nobody. You. I mean, who you do you complain to? Like you, That's on you. When you when you say back what happened is I lost all of my money in a high APY genital themed coin. Like, <laughs> what were you asking for? Like, there is no way that that was ever going to go any other way. But again, like people still keep coming back. There is still innovation happening, and. I enrolled in the program because I wanted to understand what was going on behind the scenes. And in doing this, master's level education is great, but it's still very much a part of the traditional education model. And the traditional right. education model does not serve everybody, um, especially if you are in a, a geographic locale or community that maybe doesn't either value traditional education um, or just have access to the quality of education that is necessary to interact and engage with these technologies in a meaningful way. Um, and ultimately, that that idea, that problem was one of the things that we we set out to, to solve with GBI. So one of the earlier papers that I wrote um, for this program was the idea of using blockchain as a method for underpinning a nonprofit organization because nonprofits are notoriously opaque. Um, people, no. exactly, no, surely Sponsoring not. Sponsoring <laughs> Absolutely not. No. As means of, of uh, laundering money for the elites? No way. Absolutely. No way. <laughs> so like, we, we had this idea that, okay, what would it look like if we were to build an education nonprofit on the chain? Um, the DAO aspect, the chain aspect is going to come later. And then in, in considering this idea, we came up with three problems. The first being, as I said before, the quality of blockchain education out there at the moment just isn't really very good. Like if you go on YouTube and you type in blockchain, you'll get X number of videos as to why you should buy this dog theme token or genital theme token <laughs> or whatever for the next 100x, but you won't get anything really around like what the technology is. Why does it matter? What is the innovation that this this technology facilitates? What is the, the social change that this kind of technology is going to be able to drive? Second problem is there is that, that content does exist, but it's generally expensive. So traditional master's program, great, expensive. Pomp's crypto course, great, expensive. The 
London Real DeFi Academy, four thousand USD. Like, not everyone is going to be. I know, right? <laughs> like, not everyone is going to be able to afford that. Like, not everyone's going to be able to afford that. And then that means that the only people who are able to access this kind of content are the people who are, generally speaking, going to be in places whereby access to the kind of educational resources that are necessary is going to be more readily available. Um, it's going to exclude places like Africa, like Latin America, like Central Asia, like Southeast Asia, purely because of the cost. And right. Again, like almost all of this content that has a price tag associated with it is focused on existing markets. So it's focused on Europe, it's focused on Dubai, um, the Middle East, Singapore, and North America. That excludes the overwhelming majority of the planet. And if you look at the way that wealth is distributed, if you look at the way that educational access is distributed at the moment, the majority of wealth and the majority of high quality education is centralized. We go centralized again, centralized in these existing locales whereby there's like people already have like access to huge amounts of resources. Um, there isn't a high quality like blockchain education center in Africa. There isn't a high quality blockchain education center in Latin America. There isn't one in Central Asia. There isn't necessarily one in Southeast Asia. I mean, Singapore, technically, yes, but I mean, by Singapore might as well be an entire country of blockchain. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, that's what we set out to solve with GBI. It was like, okay, how, what would it look like if we were able to provide the kind of educational resources that are necessary to give someone a holistic understanding of everything that is going on in the space from the basics of blockchain and Bitcoin, because um, that is more often than not the jumping off point that everyone starts with, um, all the way up until the edge use cases of things like blockchain and AI, blockchain and distributed computing, DAOs, NFTs, building utility into NFTs. We set out to to build a curriculum around that, and that's ultimately what we ended up doing with the GBI Academy. So that's the GBI Academy is currently running at the moment. At last look, we were at four thousand seven hundred students enrolled from one hundred and twenty six different countries. We've had some absolutely fantastic feedback so far, um, and this is kind of part one of the strategy um, to to onboard the next billion users into the blockchain space, and that is only going to be possible through the provision of accessible, high quality education. Because the next wave of growth and the next wave of adoption isn't going to come from the, I don't know, like 200 million or so people that have some sort of interaction, some sort of understanding of what blockchain is. It's gonna come from the people who have no idea what's going on at the moment, but can really see the use case for this technology. They're in places yeah. whereby this technology solves problems as opposed to just makes them money. That's where the next big wave of adoption is going to come from. And then that's also what ultimately the purpose of the Daustronaut is as well. Like the Daustronaut is edge case, like DAOs yeah. are edge case at the moment. They're not common. They're not in wide use. Like people, as we said before, like people don't really know what they are and what's going on. And that's what the purpose of this is, is to provide a, a platform for people to learn about like what DAOs are, why they matter and what they could, should, would be in the future. Correct. Yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> it's crazy to be a part and a pioneer per se in emerging technologies. Because, you know, I have, I have no background in tech at, at all. You know, uh, I come from a traditional, you know, uh, operations, sales, you know, uh, managerial background. And but, you know, like you said, you know, coming into the space, it, the people that aren't the ones that have been here building, they're the ones that are going to be driving innovation. Right. So that accessibility to information Really, it's, you know, the key component, right? So I just, 
hats off to what you guys have done over at GBI. I mean, I'm personally a student, right? Um, and But I'm a forever student, right? And I think that's where the differentiator lies is, you know, if you don't come from a socioeconomic background where, you know, education is a priority, but survival is a priority, right? I mean, we still have countries that don't even have internet. You know, here we are having our first world problems talking about DAOs, you know, pinky out. But there's, there's literally people out here that don't even have access to the Internet or are just going off, you know, or starting electricity with coal. And, and why is that? I mean, you know, you kept you use the word uh, centralization a couple of times. But to me, it's more and more of like a, a, a gated community. Right. Like we don't want you here. It's not even centralizing the fact that it's in one place. It's like literally, you know, gate kept. We don't want you to have the same level. Um, and, and, you know, that's what's been. Uh, that's what's been fun about coming into the space is trying to break those barriers down and make relationships at, at the highest level with people that um, have put forth decades worth of work in this space and pioneered it um, to try and show my value and not as a hard skilled individual, but as a soft skilled individual, right? Like my entire background is, is comes from uh, motivating and, and, and convincing people, um, you know, educating, training, all that whole capacity um, but that's hard to quantify when you're a hard skilled individual that's only used to building stuff, right? Or, or applying a, a scientific method, in, you know, a way about doing things. So it, it's been fun trying to uh, integrate myself and my skill sets in the space. But again, it's one of those things where as I keep having successes, and, you know, and aligning and, and making more and more and more connections and friends, it's, it's just something that's absolutely missing in a lot of these, you know, organizations. Um, so, you know, I, I really look forward to, watching GBI grow, watching Daoshana grow, being a part of, you know, this meteoric space-like rise with you, man. It's been fun um, seeing the caliber of humans we've had come through the show with Mean, mean Dao and, and having Dr. Million and, you know, just every every episode is, is just a high-quality human and high-quality project that's here to innovate, that's here to disrupt things, that's here to improve things, and that's what matters, right? And in this environment, man, um, you know, startups fail constantly, don't get me wrong, but think about why. I mean, they're competing against giants that hold proprietary technologies and they're being succubist by uh, venture capitalists that really just want to ROI. They don't really give two shits about their survival and extension there. How can I make my nut and then, you know, exit, right? Yeah. <clears throat> With as much equity as possible, right? So, you know, having people in this space that actually understand the, the ideologies, the technologies, and, and where it could go, I mean, it's human capital oriented now because people don't have to take deals. They don't. They can crowdfund, you know, and, and you can crowdfund in the other world, too. But this community rallies together and, and helps each other like nothing I've ever seen. It, it's yeah. literally insane. You know, I've, I've never seen anything like this where you can enter, be a high profile individual, humble yourself, get helped by a third world person, you know, in another country that's 19. Um, and then you guys become friends because of that. Like, it's just nuts, you know? Um, I think, yeah, like the, the point that you made about startups failing all the time, because ultimately you're right. Like they're having to compete against big tech entities that have like holding all the patents, holding like the, the levers of influence as it were. But like that word, that's the key difference. It's competition. Like everything used to be competition. And in like large parts of the world, everything is still competition. Like it's it's about increasing your size, your si like the size of your slice of the pie. You want to be able to take more of the pie such that your competitors end up like losing out or whatever. But the this is the ultimate difference. Now we can like dig into more of like the, the web three, the broader aspects of web three. Um, this is the key difference between 
that way of doing things and the way that things are being done in the Web3 space. It's collaboration as opposed to competition. It's about working together to make the pie bigger as opposed to increasing the size of your slice. Correct. But also, you know, too, you know, ability to have freedom and, and the, the, yes. to do as the individual, right? Like I took the word DAO and I had a little fun with it. Um, decentralized autonomous officer, right? Like I like to think that I work for the entirety of the space. If I can add value to what you're doing, um, as long as it's not in direct competition with somebody else that I'm you know, aligned with and working with, I would love to. Because again, like I said, there's there's skill sets that are missing in this space and, and soft skill, people oriented, um, extroversion isn't traditionally found <laughs> on a hard skilled uh, developer team. You know, and, and but it, you can even see it in market research. If you go look um, on on LinkedIn on the job recruitment platform, um, what jobs are mainly available right now, especially with bigger name companies, it's those. It's it's sales orientation. It's HR oriented. It's you know the, the the people, the human capital management. No one's. I mean, yeah, devs are still on the rise, but predominantly we're at this phase where it's like you look at the infrastructure growth from a from a broad scale industry perspective. We got Apple Pay looking to integrate stuff. We've got Uber CEOs talking about this. We've got, you know, CBDC decisions and, and this, that, and the other. And, and then you look at the job market and it just keeps growing exponentially. So when people tell me crypto is a scam or this or that, I'm just like, <laughs> clearly you don't have to do research. Cause like, if you look, you'll find this is shit ain't going nowhere. You know, there might be people looking to sign it and, and control it in a higher, tighter capacity, but you know, that's cultural stuff, in my opinion, right? You don't like it, go somewhere else. Move to a country like right now I'm in Dubai. It's it, it, one of capitals of crypto innovation because they've legislated it that way because the people that live here want that, right? And, and they've made it a, a, in an inclusive environment that's attractive. You know, Panama, a um, couple other countries in South America doing the same. You know, we had El Salvador literally made it legal tender. There's a lot of people that are moving there because <laughs> yeah. there's an opportunity for inter to innovate and, and capitalize on, you know, what, what's to come. So um, it, it's just definitely just uh, revitalizing, right. To be in a space like this after so many years of working towards a, a thought model that I thought I wanted getting to that suit and tie C-suite level executive position only to look around and go, man, this is trash. <laughs> like I, I can't live like this for the rest of my life. I can't, you expect me to do what? Like shit down people's throats for a living when it's not even their fault. Like we're dealing with a, a macro global like pandemic oriented scenario. And, and then it's now their fault because we can't sell high priced goods and services. Nah, not their fault. It's your fault. You should be able to pivot, right? You should be fluid in your business models. You should be able to, you know, innovate quickly, not archaically and slow. Right. And yeah. I feel like those these are the lessons that this space is teaching. And if, if all it does is provide a experimental sandbox, then it served a purpose. Right. Um, I think just big, big things to come. Just super excited to be able to be here and help guide the conversation and, and offer people opportunity um, to come and have a place to call home that feels safe and and find the things that they're looking for to help them accomplish their goals. Right. Because when, when you're doing it literally for that reason, and just giving back and connecting people and not asking for shit uh, whilst building your own things that are fantastic, man. It's been so fulfilling, you know, it, it really has. So 
Yeah. I'm not going nowhere. That's for sure. I've literally lit my previous life on fire. <laughs> I don't think any old company would burn the boats. And from some of the things I said on LinkedIn and on lives, so I'm here to say. Uh, this uh, conversation is like pouring further gasoline on the uh, <laughs> on the previous <laughs> life. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mentioning any organizations, but if you go do research on my page, you'll figure out who they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think like that's exactly it. There is like everything is everything is changing so quickly at the moment, and the pace of that change is also changing. Like everything is accelerating, and it's as an individual it's an incredibly difficult thing to do to be able to keep up with everything that is going on and i'm not i'm not just talking about like blockchain now i'm talking about like oh, no. in a more holistic sense like everything, yeah, everything. the world over <laughs> is just in a, a massive state of accelerated flux and understanding what's going on and finding and connecting with communities that are going to be able to help you in developing that understanding and then also help you in like you being able to thrive in those circumstances as well that's something that is is a really difficult thing to do and that there is a like a, a kind of an implicit understanding with the people who are currently in this space that that is what is missing like there is a an understanding that it is challenging to to get into this space and to understand but like it's all done with it's all done with love at the end of the day like everyone wants everyone else to succeed no one is looking to to cut somebody else down nobody is looking to to climb on other people to succeed like i mean the occasional i won't name anybody right but but i've heard seen and heard some stuff it's just yeah. disheartening right like to build communities um yeah. to pull ideas out of people but only to try and circumnavigate them cut them out of it beat them to market i mean if that's very web too, and it's gross, right? Like I would much rather support somebody and have yeah. a, a, you know, a multi-aligned role. Like I've, that's why I have my, like 10 projects because I could try and replicate this great thing you have that you told me about that you didn't make me sign an NDA on or I could support it and then have it be you know something that grows rather than trying to steal it, rebrand it, beat you to market with it. You know what? what so you can lose and I can win. Like, again, that's just... I'm a team player kind of guy, right? Like I, I owned my own business and was a sole proprietor for a little while and I hated it. I mean, I really, I hated it because I thrive in scenarios where I can help other people. I can teach, I can defend, I can, you know, uh, support, you know, that's just me and my internals. Right. Um, so that just, you know, and then being a disenfranchised person throughout, you know, portions of my life where I didn't have a voice, I wasn't, you know, able to, accomplish certain things because I was stuck on my own. And I didn't have anyone to help me and support me um, to, you know, so knowing what that feels like, it, it's sad to see that there's people in this space doing stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's here for their own reasons. Um, but, like that's why I just want to set that standard and tone for our community. Right. And like, it's just, again, it's been a beautiful thing because I just watched so many things start up, get, get what they need, you know, get advice, be able to give advice. Like it's just, it's just fantastic, man. Um, and, and all the great things that are coming this year from so many people, like it's going to be real, real fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah, you're, you're right. Like everyone is, everyone's here for their own reasons. And because it is, I mean, it is still a small community, like, and because of that, it's 
like individuals can have an outsized influence on the way that things go. Um, any degree of success is going to come with a degree of, um, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, notoriety. Um, like taking you as an example, like you've gone from. No, no, I don't being... want to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like, take like from where we were, from when we first like we first started interacting six months right. ago to to the kind of interactions that we're able to have now, the kind of connections that we're able to make now. Um, if you make the right kind of noise or you make any degree of noise really in this space, then you are going to end up attracting attention. And I right. think it is, it is down to the individual to make sure that the kind of interactions that they are having and the kind of message that they are putting out is, is in, is in alignment with what a lot of people in the space are pushing towards. And like, as you say, like there are a few people out there who are in this for themselves. But the one thing that I've been really enjoying watch happen is those people get very, very quickly found out and ultimately shunned, like just shunned by the community. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> or it explodes a community, which is sad, like this crazy the ENS thing. Worse. Oh, yeah. man. Right. And again, you don't really know who you've elected into this degree of yeah. power because it's you bought you voted based on Twitter clout. Next thing you know, you've got a racist, transphobic Nazi that's running his mouth on Twitter and completely degrading your, you know, your your uh, your organization that you've been, you know, put work into, and you had no clue what you were dealing with here. Right? Guy might have swastikas tattooed on his forehead for all we know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's it's crazy, and I think that's why LinkedIn is such a valuable tool. It's because, I mean, again. Like there are fake profiles and there are fake individuals, but generally speaking, the you're you're you enter into interactions on LinkedIn with an air of professionalism, um, and that is that's going to help going forward. And then if you can build professional connections and then personal connections thereafter with people, then everyone benefits. Hundred percent, man. And there's nothing more on this planet right now that gives me joy than being able to blow someone's mind because some door I can open for them. Right? And it's like, oh, you want this? Okay, here, one second. Let me put you in a room with this person. And they're just, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. Thank me later. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's, it's, fun, it's incredible. Man. It's incredible to see because then you end up with this fantastic positive feedback loop whereby someone's had a positive interaction with their spec with a with an interaction in the space. Um, someone has benefited like on a personal level from something that someone has done for them with no benefit expected. Right. And 100%. then you get that pay it forward mentality. You get that idea yeah. that like everyone is there to learn. Everyone is there to, everyone is there to ultimately like to benefit on a personal level. But it's, if someone is benefiting yeah. on a personal level, they're also going to be benefiting the community at the same time. Well, and you know, too, like I, I see a lot of people um, complaining about working for free and, you know, it, it's definitely hard, right? In this space because of the mindset and mentality that everybody has about sharing information and things like that. But, you know, the approach I've taken to it is, you know, understanding the value comes in different forms, right? So, you know, I try to go about this like value for value exchange. I might not be monetary all the time, um, but if there's something I can your network or what it is that you're doing and I can add value to you and you can add value to me, that's just as important, right? Planting those seeds and being organic, being unique, you know, being a real person um, to at some point where there's going to be a payoff from, you know, the efforts put in because if you're here for the right reasons, doing the right things with the right people, the right stuff will occur, right? Yeah. It's a matter of time. Absolutely. It's just consistency. Um, 
making sure that you're doing what you're doing for you like don't try and do what somebody else is doing <laughs> I've, I've tried to do what you do and it's exhausting i can't keep up <laughs> <laughs> i would not recommend it to most people. <laughs> but like if you're consistent and you're doing what you want to be doing how you want to be doing it and you're also being mindful on like what is the value that i am delivering to the community in the way that i am doing things in the interactions that i am having you it, it becomes like you get what you give right you make the right noises in the right places for the right reasons at the right time and the right things will happen. Exactly. hundred percent, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Seriously. Yeah. Perfect. Right. We are starting to bump up against the hour. So I've got one, uh, one small question to drop on you. I think before we wrap things up, what you got? Um, obviously like we spent a lot of time talking about community and LinkedIn, but let's think about things in like a slightly bigger way at the moment. Um, the podcast is called the Daustronaut, right? So Correct. what is the change that you would like to see DAOs bring to the world? <sighs> Told you it was a small question. Oh, too, super tiny, man. Right? Like, actually, funny segue. I would like to see DAOs empower microeconomic communities of value. Right? I've seen, you know, in my last role during the pandemic, so many small businesses getting shit canned not because they had a bad business plan or anything like that, but because they weren't aligned correctly with their fellow industry mates to survive the economic destruction that ensued from COVID. So people understanding that competition and collaboration, um, you know, if you're two blocks from each other and you're, I forget the exact words they call it, but like geographical positioning for your business or whatever. And if you're two independent coffee shops, you should be banding together, pooling resources to achieve economies of scale that, you know, or, or support each other. Maybe you're getting more business than another person. And DAOs allow for that, right? DAO to DAO collaborations, um, microeconomic communities of value pooling together, you know, whatever skill sets, you know, Medium's a great example, right, of people with similar skill sets working together in a decentralized fashion to best uh, achieve a common goal uh, whilst imbuing the individual with the most reward possible for the work done, right? It's a beautiful model, right? And uh, I really think that, you know, people understanding that you can work with your neighbors and work with your competition um, in, in a collaborative fashion to win and demonopolize the world, you're not going to, we're not, we're not going to take down or, or bring change or, uh, hold companies accountable competing on a, on a micro scale without working together. Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't put it back. Now, let's, Beautiful. let's flip that question. What about you? Ooh, Christ. There we go. That's a big one. I've never have asked this question a lot of times, but I've never answered it. <laughs> so I think ultimately um, the thing that I would like to see Dallas facilitate is, is disintermediation. Um, we put, we've, we've had to put, a huge amount of trust in third-party organizations throughout human history. And this is going to sound like slightly self-serving and esoteric and philosophical. It's like throughout human history, we've done all of this, but like ultimately it's true. Like throughout human history, there has always been, if you don't trust the other person, a third party involved in whatever interaction it is that's going to happen, right? And as things scale, as there is money involved, as there are larger communities involved, the influence that that third party has ends up being disproportionately larger and larger and larger until you end up in a position like we're in today, where you have like Facebook, Amazon, Tencent, um, whichever tech company, 
out there is wielding a monumental amount of influence over communities, right? And what would those communities be like if you didn't have to rely on a third party to, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, like take on like the counterparty risk, right? What if people, yeah. instead of not trusting people at a base level, had an inherent level of trust between them? What would those interactions look like? And I think that DAOs and like the underlying architecture, right, are going to be able to facilitate this. We are going to be able to build systems that have trust on an inherent basis within the system itself, within the technology layer, as opposed to having to put our trust in a third party, which may or may not have our best interests at heart, right? Because ultimately, who is going to have your best interests at heart? You are. No one is you. going to do. No one is going to like fight your own corner for you ultimately, because it's nope. not in, it's not in human nature. So, what would it look like if we can build the systems that have that trust in like existing on an inherent basis, and you can serve yourself and you can serve others at the same time? And I think that's what that was going to be able to facilitate. Man, in, in a closing fashion, that that statement right there might absolutely explain why institutions are so absolutely terrified of crypto and and say all the mean, evil things they do about it because it kind of like threatens their existence. Fantastic! I have no problem with that. <laughs> Let's disintermediate. <laughs> disintermediate, indeed. Beautiful, Tyler. This has been fantastic. Absolutely, Ben. Looking forward to doing it again, man. Yeah, for sure. We'll check in another six. Thank you for everybody we'll to say the union. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll do another one again soon. Cheers. Later, guys. That was the Daustronaut podcast. Thank you very much for joining me on this exciting voyage through the uncharted territories of the blockchain universe. Please do make sure that you hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are choosing to listen today. That way you are guaranteed to keep your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. Once again, do remember to disembark the vessel safely and that nothing said on this podcast is financial advice. With that said, I hope you have enjoyed joining me on this quest and I will catch you next time.